and uh, we're so happy to have in the studio today uh, Todd Greiner and his wife Sue. Todd, it's good to see you. It's great to be here. It's a privilege. Nice to meet you. And uh, we're going to be talking to Todd today. He is the author of a book entitled Miracle Man, but there's uh, so many aspects to your life, Todd, that uh, who knows where this conversation may wander about to. <laughs> That's very true. Um, so let's first just ask the open-ended question, who is Todd Greiner? Well, I've been in Southern Illinois, my wife and I both, for about 47 years, and I've been in the ministry ever since that time. About 30 years of that time, I've been in uh, pastor. I've been ministering all that time, but I'm also a business owner. I've been a flight instructor, and uh, I've done a number of different things. been an electrician, licensed electrician. Really? Yes. And uh, pass the microphone over to Sue. Is that an accurate description that uh, your husband just gave of himself? Yes, that's a very accurate description. He is a very, uh, he has a lot of entrepreneurship in his personality and uh, is a go-getter. Yes, and, <laughs> and, and Sue, uh, tell us who you are. Um, well, as Todd said, we've been down here 47 years. Um, I've been a housewife most of my life, uh, except for a brief time I went into nursing school in my older years and uh, worked um, as an LPN for a little while until uh, my parents had health issues and then decided to lay it down to help in their care. Sure. No, well, that's a very honorable thing to do. I know what it is to care for an uh, elderly person, and uh, that's certainly a labor of love. Yes, very yeah, much so. For sure. Well, we're going to be talking with uh, both uh, Sue and Todd today. Uh, Todd, let's talk to you about the title of this book and obviously it's radio so they can't see it but the book that's sort of the impetus for this interview is entitled Miracle Man and on the front of the book there is an airplane that is essentially a pile of debris and this plane crash is very central to this book uh, as well as many other things that have happened in your life that where God intervened in miraculous ways. So if you you have hosted an interview program in your past years on WGGH, we were just talking about this before the show. Yes. So if you were interviewing yourself, what's the first question that you ask? <laughs> That's a good question. I would, ask, I would ask the author, why did you pick the name Miracle Man? Yeah. So I want to say that because that can be real misleading, and mm-hmm. I want people to make sure that they get they understand. I didn't pick that name myself. Okay. When the, when the accident crash happened and I was taken to Barnes Hospital, the surgeon who initially operated on me, when she, after the surgery, and she went up to see my wife to give the prognosis of the surgery, she extended her hands and she said, Mrs. Greiner, all I know is he's my miracle man. Wow. And so that name was given to me. And so I was in the hospital four months in three different hospitals. So the name would precede me. When I would go, they would say, ah, you're the miracle man. Mm. So it seemed very appropriate to use that for the book. So that's how it came about. And the crash occurred in 2016? Yes, sir. At the... June uh, 10th, 2016. At at the Marion, now Veterans Airport. Yes, yes. Um, So, and this was a recreational flight of sorts? Well, it was an instructional flight. Okay. I'm a flight instructor. And this happened, John Allman, a very well-known man that lived in Carbondale. He was a lawyer. He did perish 
in the in the crash. But a well well loved man. He was a very good friend of mine. When I when I have a chance to share, I always do a tribute to him. Yeah. And kind of in his honor. But on that day, now he was a veteran pilot. He was an instrument rated pilot, not just a private pilot. And this was advanced training. And I had already flown with him 18 hours of advanced training. On that day, he wanted to do simulated engine out procedures. Now we hadn't done we had done them before, so it wasn't anything new to him. And actually, the crash had nothing to do with the maneuver at all. But we were doing that maneuver that day, and it just ended in a very tragic, uh, very tragic crash. And like you said, the picture is on the book. But um, that's what happened that day. And throughout the course of this book, uh, you talk about other things that had happened, whether it was a motorcycle accident or the 2004 plane engine failure. Uh, we're going to get into some of that. But I assume at this point, are you still involved in aviation in any way? You know what? I, I have been very passionate about aviation for almost 30 years of my life. And I was very passionate about instructing. But after the crash, uh, eight months later, I was flying in. And the FAA got a hold of me. And they said, "Are you, Mr. Griner, are you flying? I said, yes, I'm, I'm loving it. And they said, they kind of got on to me. They said, you can't be doing this. And I said, well, I'm doing great. I'm feeling great. They said, no, no, you had such a serious brain injury. Mm. You can't be flying. And, of course, you know, I'm not going to mock the FAA at all, but they, they don't believe in miracles because I had a real miracle of healing happen in my life. But yeah. to honor them, and I understand it completely, I had such a serious brain injury. They grounded me for four years, and that grounding is off now. So I could be – you never lose your license when you're flying. You just need to be made current and recertified, and I could easily do that. But the other things have really taken my time, mm -hmm. so I haven't gone back to it because if I would, instructing is very demanding, and I know it would consume all my time, yeah. so I have kind of shelved it for a while. Talk about the uh, crash itself. You said something a moment ago that the crash was not related to the maneuver. No, that was, not at all. And, and, and so what was it related to? Well, after a two-year investigation, now you got to keep in mind, John perished, in the crash so nobody can get any information there right. I, I had lost my memory for two and a half months so I had no memory people have asked me do you remember anything about the crash I don't even remember the day of the crash wow. nor two and a half months after that time it's gone but after a two-year investigation this is what they came up with and they used the term probability because only God knows exactly what had happened but they looked, and I'm not going to go through the whole story because it would take too much time. Yeah. But they looked at so many angles of this whole thing. And what they determined, it appeared that Mr. Allman, John Allman, had a seizure in flight. Wow. And when he had a seizure, he seized up on a control, which, did, you know, the, the controls are linked from the left side to the right side. So if one of them is being held by somebody, the other one can't not be controlled. So I had no way to control the airplane I see. at all. I had my hand on the throttle because they could figure that out because my left hand was smashed and the throttle was all bent. So I had it full throttle to get out of the situation. But I couldn't I couldn't maneuver the plane. And we had done I had done maneuvers like that for hundreds of times. So it had nothing to do with that. But something else with uh, John that was a really um, was the first sign of, of alarming to this. We both were cut up very bad. I was bleeding profusely, and John was cut up severely also. 
but after the crash he wasn't bleeding there was no blood and I was breathing profusely so that is a a first indicator that something happened to his heart mm. so even the couple doctors had even determined that he might have perished died before we even hit the ground really so that was the conclusion and again I use the word probability because it's uncertain yes exactly yeah, understood uh, Todd Griner's in the studio with this his book is entitled miracle man so you sustained very traumatic injuries I did uh, from this plane crash um, I, you mentioned before the interview, you might have to have Sue talk a little bit about this. I don't know if this is the point or not, but um, talk about the injuries that you sustained. Well, I'll start, and then Sue can add to that if I leave anything out. The worst thing was the brain injury. I had a very, it's called TBI, traumatic brain injury, and it was very severe. Matter of fact, the prognosis, when the doctor talked with Sue, it was if I lived, because they didn't even know if I was going to live. Yeah. But they said, Sue, if he lives, if he lives, you can expect that he's going to spend the rest of his life in a nursing home, and he's going to be permanently disabled. Wow. And at best, he's going to live with severe disabilities. And, Will, it's amazing, and this is to God be all the glory. I don't have any disabilities whatsoever. No, sitting here looking at you, he looks like you go play no, 18 no. holes of golf. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would be, a, I'm not a golfer, but I drove my Jeep here, and I yeah. can do, I can, I can do all kinds of things. I have some residual issues, but you know what, Will? What's amazing? I don't even think about it. I, I am so amazed at what God took me through that, you know, I've got a back issue and some legs, knees and stuff. I don't even worry about it. I don't even think about it because it's so amazing that God has even left me, let me live. And will, to be completely honest, I believe he let me live only to keep serving him. Yeah. And not only to share this story, but to serve him with an urgency that I never even had before. What a prognosis then to have you sitting before me today and to look at the um, photo on the front of this book. It's amazing. Sue, anything you want to add to that? Um. His injuries um, were profound, and so many times, well, I had even talked with a nurse when he was at Barnes, like within the first week, that had taught, he was in perfect health before the crash, and had he had any pre-existing conditions before that time, um, the probability of him not living or even surviving the first 12 hours would have been, he would, he would have not made it. Yeah. And um, as it was, he had he holds a record for blood loss for the amount of blood that uh, he lost and was given and lived to tell about it we have that information in the book because that was confirmed through his trauma surgeon that first evening i mean he took like over 100 pints of blood units of blood that first night i mean when i went back there to see him blood was coming out of every orifice of his whole head and but that was many he had lacerations kidney his liver uh his lungs were bad um the only thing that wasn't affected was his heart his Mm. heart of all things but the toll from the trauma took such uh, it was just incredible every organ was affected every organ was affected and he was in shock, just a traumatic shock for for the length of time. Then they had him in a medically induced coma for his brain to be calm. And there was just a lot going on every day. I wasn't able to stay with him at night. I could stay in the waiting room, but I decided to go home. But every day there was something new, 
something that was wrong every day. It was just such a touch and go, not knowing if he would live or not. Todd, I can see that that still makes you emotional to hear your wife, you know, talk about the, the, the what she was going through. Will, to be completely honest with you, I honestly think my wife had the hardest time. Mm. I don't remember any of it. And what a blessing. What a blessing. Sue has told me that I went through excruciating pain, but her emotional pain and what she went through, and she was a rock. Will, yeah. she was a rock for me. She was always there. I mean, she she would stay as long as she could. She'd come back the next day. I, I just loved her being there, and she was always by my side. And, you know, those that emotional pain, I didn't have that. I didn't have any of that. And the physical part, I didn't even remember now. So I think she had a harder time than I did. Well, God has his hand on you. Uh, you have some of the most piercing blue eyes I've ever seen in my life. And um, I, I don't typically comment on people's appearances like that on the radio program. But I wonder, what were your, this is an off-the-wall question, what did your parents do? Well, my parents were already deceased. Matter of fact, but I mean, uh, growing up, uh, you oh, know, as a, oh, you mean what they do for their my work wise? Yeah, who were they? Well, my mom and dad lived in O'Fallon. That's where I grew up, O'Fallon, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And my dad was a contractor, and my mom actually she stayed home. Mm -hmm. And they have a unique history in themselves as far as my dad. He took over this barn that was built in the Civil War, and converted it into a house. Okay, and so that's but they were wonderful people. But at the time of the crash, they had already deceased. Sue's parents had already deceased. Mm -hmm. In some way, that was a blessing because I know if my mom had been alive, oh, it would have been, been worried, so worried hard on her. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. Um, throughout the course of your recovery, I assume that um, at some point you regained consciousness. Obviously, you say you lost memory for two months, but... Uh, can you just talk to me a little bit about what it was like starting to reorient yourself in the world? Yes, yes. Now, I, my memory loss was close to two and a half months. I was in the hospital for four. So the, the last couple of months that I was in the hospital, I, I remember, especially my last month, I remember a lot of that. But when I got out, we were surrounded by such a support group. Yeah. We've got a lot of beautiful, wonderful friends. Christian friends that just love us so much, very supportive. And um, you know what was amazing too, I had my own business. And it would have been so easy to lose, I, I mean, I run it by myself. Right. And it would have been so easy to that business just be lost. Amazingly, I mean, my wife didn't know how to run it. So our nephew, her nephew, he actually stepped in, and he didn't understand the business, but he understood it enough where he could keep it going mm. and keep contact with my customers. And I have such a great relationship with my customers that they, they remained faithful. I mean, they didn't just move on to get somebody else. I'm in promotional advertising. Yeah. And they stayed with me. So it was just the grace of God. And then during that time, I was asked if I could share. The very first time I shared was at a church in Pittsburgh, Illinois, for Eddie Donaldson. And I could, I could still barely walk. And I got up to the pulpit, and I looked so emaciated. And uh, it, was, it was really interesting because when the crash happened on a Friday, well, that following Sunday, I was scheduled to speak at this church. So obviously that was just totally gone. Right. So he couldn't wait to get me back mm -hmm. and then share my story. 
And something else, well, that was so beautiful. My wife had arranged this with the pastor. I mean, my left hand was crushed. My ring was crushed. They had to cut the ring off. Yeah. Well, my wife, with ever, never saying a word to me, took it to a jeweler. She had it reconfigured uh, and, mm-hmm. and fixed. The same ring, but just had it fixed. And she had talked with the pastor, and we renewed our vows. Oh, that. Oh, it was beautiful. And I didn't know it was even going to happen. So it was just a beautiful day. And how, how did you feel God healing you? Oh, wow. Just overwhelmed. I mean, overwhelmed. Um, I, I'll say this probably, and, and this stands out the most. I've been a Christian for almost 50 years. Coming this February, it'll be 50 years. And I had a radical salvation when I was saved. I haven't had this up and down, up and down. I mean, when I was saved, it was radical. And glory be to God, it, it, it's been steadfast. I haven't had these stories of really going down in the, in the valleys. Yeah. But since the crash, my urgency about the gospel has been increased overwhelmingly. And um, sharing my faith. I've never been so active. I mean, I always shared my faith, yeah. but not to the extent that I'm doing it now. There's an urgency in me, Will. There's an urgency in me about America, about reaching people, seeing, uh, seeing people who call themselves Christian, and yet you really wonder, is it real in their life? And I never quite had the urgency as I've had since the crash. Yeah. Well, one of the things you do, your sweater has the 14 inches on it. Yes. And you were telling me about going to the Apple Festival and handing out tokens yes. that have a salvation message on them. Uh, so it's very obvious to me that, you know, you're doing everything you know how to do and seeking God's will and then putting that faith in action. That's my heart. That's yeah. where my heart is. I mean, I love my business and God's using it so, so we can be supportive. Yeah. Um, but uh, sharing the gospel is, is, the, is the heart of who I am. So it is uh, 12.24. I'm going to take the first break of the day. The book is entitled Miracle Man. Todd Greiner is our guest in the studio along with his wife, Sue. Last name is spelled G-R-E-I-N-E-R. Uh, this book is available uh, really just via a Google search, right? It's on Amazon. On it's on Amazon. Amazon. Sure. A local bookstore could order the book, but Amazon's a real easy way to get it. All right. We're going to take the first break of the day, and we'll be back continue our conversation right after this. In the studio with me is Todd Greiner. He is the author of Miracle Man. We've been talking about his uh, book. And I wrote as I was preparing for uh, the interview today that this book is a faith journey and an invitation and you do really have what an altar call in the book um and i know that you're so passionate about your faith that it makes perfect sense that you would do that did you have any uh, hesitation about having that in the book at all not in the least matter of fact i did everything i could to make sure it would go there yeah i wanted i wanted the lord glorified in this book I didn't want this book to just point to me like I didn't. I didn't do anything great. My wife didn't do anything great, but I mean, God did everything great, and we wanted to make sure that that came across. Yeah. And at the end, that people wouldn't get confused about thinking they're saved and maybe not. So I tried to make that real clear. How many hours have you had in the air? Any idea? Yes, it's uh, close to four thousand. And 
I find myself oftentimes, I have 18-month-old twin boys, and when they don't want to take a nap, you know, what you do with little kids is you put them in the car and drive them around, they fall asleep. And uh, so the airport, the Southern Illinois Airport between Murfreesboro and Carbondale, has sort of a, they're going to think that I'm casing the place to rob it or something because I'll drive that loop yes. out to Airport Road and back because the roads are smooth and various reasons. But I've always been fascinated by uh, aircraft and airplanes. Is But beyond just the, the, the function of flying, there has to be something about it that gives you a different uh, faith perspective too, right? I mean... Well, hey, yes, I'd like to say this. When I was pastoring Community Faith Church, you know, I was I was instructing and I also was teaching through Belleville Area College ground schools. Yeah. And we had a big, uh, it was an open-up panel type thing that had aircraft instruments on this panel. And I, and I brought it to church and I did an instrument and I did a message on spiritual vertigo. Yeah. And the, the analogy was wonderful. It was tremendous. So that's a, that's a faith connection that is tremendous. When you go on, when you're flying, your first thing that you get is a license as private pilot. And then if you want to go on, you get your instrument rating. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you have to have complete, total faith in your instruments. And what fights you is your body feelings right that's i mean it fights you big time and people that get into vertigo they are trusting their body more than they're trusting the instruments right and they get all out of whack so sharing that analogy is a powerful truth yes and i have to think you know it's just not a natural thing in a sense that most of us live our lives day to day down here on the ground and but then when you're able to get up above it all uh, in that situation and look down. I have to th- just think that it makes for a number of sermon outlines. <laughs> it's great. Uh, well, I was very, very, very pa- – I still am. I'm not instructing at the moment, but I could start it in my being – I was grounded for four years, but that's been yeah. lifted. And But I'm so busy doing other things, that if and I was so passionate about instructing mm-hmm. that if I started it back up, I'm worried that it would once again consume me, right, right. and I don't want that to happen. Understood. Well, one of the other things that I know you've been very involved in is uh, – the concern for pro-life issues. Yes, absolutely. Now, tell tell me. I mean, of certainly a wonderful thing to be passionate about. Was there a specific reason or a specific moment in your life where that became so passionate for you? Yes, I can almost point right directly to it. I was a pastor at Community Faith Church, and actually, there had been some people in the church trying to get me involved in it for a long time, and I kind of was resistant. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to say that. Yeah. But it was after that time that the Lord really began to deal with me. We had done it. We had done it once. I had taken a group up with a bus from our church, and I didn't like the way it went. There was a lot of screaming, arguing with the escorts at Granite City. So instead of trying to just do it better, I said, I'm not doing this again, which a lot of Christians have done. But the Lord really dealt with me about this is something he wanted us to do, wanted me to do, but just do it in a better way. Yeah. So I, I did. I started taking people up again. Well, it got to the point that we would take people to Granite City from our church, and we had over 100 people that would go. And it was amazing. And we've been doing it for over 25 years now and never stopped. Uh, we, about, we only go up about every five or six weeks. And so it's not like we're there constantly. We're constantly concerned about it, but our effort 
isn't constant. But yeah. we know a couple in Granite City that are just precious, precious people. And when we go, we're actually supporting them. And they have devoted their entire life to it, and they're there every day. And what does that... Um what is the result, do you feel like, over the years of, of your efforts? Uh, what has God provided in, in that way? Well, I'll give you a real quick little analogy, a story. There was this guy on a beach, and this old man, and he was on the beach, and he would bend down, he'd pick something up, and he'd throw it in the water. And there was a guy way behind him running, this young man. He was looking at this old man thinking, what's he doing? So when he got up to the old man, he asked him, he said, what are you doing? I've been watching you. Well... He bends down and picks up the starfish that got washed up on the beach. And he throws it back in the water. He says, I've been picking these up. And the guy laughed at him. He said, do you realize how many starfish are on this beach? You're just wasting your time. It doesn't make a difference. He picked one up. He said, it makes a difference to this one. Right. And so that's what we're doing. We're not doing it with the attitude like we're going to stop abortion in the U.S. Sure. Only, only God can do that. But when we go, we cry out that we can make a difference with some woman, somebody. And we've seen that happen a lot where a lady has had a change of heart and she turns away and goes. And uh, we don't know the end result of that. We don't know the person. But you know what? When God's people remain silent, evil just keeps going on and on and on. And we can't remain silent about it. We have to stand up. Todd Greiner is in the studio with me today, and um, I know we keep referring to the uh, Community of Faith uh, Church, and but you're not pastoring anywhere now. No, sir, I'm not. Okay, all right. Just wanted to make sure that I had that in my um, notes correctly here, because I had pastor at Community of Faith Church. I had been a pastor there for 20 years. Yes, okay. And then after that, I pastored for 10 years a group called Church Without Walls. Okay, all right. All right, well, we'll take another quick break, and we'll be back with more of our conversation today with Todd Greiner right after this. Studio with me, we've been talking about his book, Miracle Man, but he also brought with him a book uh, entitled An Amazing Journey, Stones of Remembrance. And this is a, a story really more about your testimony. You just gave it to me today, so I haven't read it, but uh, tell me about this book. It's, it was such a pleasure to write that book. Over, I've been a, This coming February, I will have been a Christian for 50 years. Mm-hmm. I had a, such a tremendous uh, salvation. Well, in the book Miracle Man, I didn't really get into my personal testimony, sharing that. In the second book, uh, An Amazing Journey, not only did I share my testimony really more in length, but through my, through my 50 years of being a Christian, there's been times that God really spoke to me so clearly and I, and I obeyed. I did what he told me to do. And the result was amazing. And so that's why it's called An Amazing Journey. It's just honestly a complete personal testimony of, of remarkable things that God has done in my life. And if no one ever reads the book, it's really gone over well. But the joy it brought me being able to write it mm-hmm. and ha- it's just been a tremendous thing. Um, well, tell me one of those stories. Well, I'll be happy to. I'll be, besides my tremendous testimony, my wife that is sitting next to me, <laughs> it's a long story. I can't go through the whole story. She, I love this woman so much. The Lord spoke to me that she would be my wife before I knew her name. Really? Yes. How is that possible? <laughs> I actually was up. I was going to a license to preach school for the Methodist Church, 
A license to preach? Yes, yes. I was going to be a student preacher in the Methodist Church. Okay. And so to start off, you have to be what they you have to get a license to preach is what they what they call that. And and I went to the University of Illinois up in Champaign. While I was there, I had seen Sue one time in the bookstore. I didn't even know her name, nothing about her. I just saw her. And I and I know this sounds wild, but this is one of these stories. When I was up there in Champaign, and one night I was reading the Word of God, the Lord spoke to me, and he showed me Sue, and he said, she's going to be your wife. Now, that is amazing. And what do you do with something like that? I don't know. What, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. When the, when the two weeks was over and I went home, and I've been crying out to the Lord, oh, how, what do I do? I went back to the bookstore, and I'm outside in my car. And I'm thinking, now, Lord, you've real, Lord, is this really you? Right. <laughs> is this really you? <laughs> I said, how am I going to do this? I'm going to go in the bookstore. How am I going to do this? So it's just trust me. Mm-hmm. Trust me. So I went in the bookstore, and there was other girls that worked in there besides Sue. And amazing, I went down this aisle. And who's the girl that comes down to wait on me? It's Sue. Wow. And she says, can I help you? And I'm thinking, if you only knew, knew. If you only knew. Right. And so... I, I, I boldly asked, I, I said, my name is Todd Greiner. I asked her her name. I said, I would love to take you out to dinner. She didn't know me from anybody. Mm. And remarkably, she said, well, yes. Now, when I left, she told her other friends, she said, I cannot believe what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> I agreed to go out with this guy, and I don't even know him. I don't mm. even know him. But she said, she did tell me, she says, now, I can't do it for two weeks because my parents are away going to uh they're going to a uh, meeting that's out in oklahoma i said that's fine i gotta be gone for a while myself but when we got back together i called her up to go out just so we could just get a soda drive around yeah and when i dropped her off i start when i left i started crying because i knew i knew Mm -hmm. that this woman was going to be my wife and the next time i took her out i asked her to be my wife now the story (laughs) hit (laughs) <laughs> it's a you got to read the story in the book because all the little details are, are told but she didn't say yes see i thought the lord was going to be working with her like he'd been working with me yeah right and that's not the way it went mm. but as you can see she's my wife and we've been we're going this month we'll have been married 47 years and she is the apple of my eye she's a she's the, i cherish this woman with all my heart and god did it he just did it and I can honestly say that, you know, we're like other marriages. We have little times. But you know what? We In 47 years, we've never gone a full day angry with each other. Never. Wow. It's been, an, it's been a remarkable thing. We've been tested. We've been tested. She's been tested. I've been tested. But our love is so deep for each other. And so that story is in that book. Well, Sue, I can't let all that go by without letting you have an opportunity to comment on anything that would have crossed your mind during uh him answering that question well interestingly I had just come out of a bad relationship and I won't go through all of that so I was not looking if you will right and um, so when he shared with me that night I truly, I think I opened my mouth and nothing came out because I didn't know what to say. <laughs> and he politely excused himself and went back to the men's restroom to just inquire of the Lord again to see uh. if this was really right. But interestingly, um, 
my parents were really on fire for the Lord at that time. And we, be, the four of us, would meet in my parents' living room. And we began praying that if this was of the Lord, that he would confirm it. And if not, then it would just dissolve. Sure. And But the more that we shared, our hearts were just so entwined with each other. Through the Lord, there was such a spiritual connection. That was the first connection that we had, yeah. which was the most significant. And uh, my parents gave their blessing, which that was a humorous story, and that's in the book because he went to go talk to my mom about it, and that was humorous. But yes, that was, and so he proposed. We met, we went out the first time the end of July, and we were married on October the 24th. Wow. So very short, not your typical engagement time. Sure, no, not, definitely not. I mean, usually... These day and age, I mean, uh, Lord, it seems like these weddings take, uh, you know, 10 years and five engineers and seven lawyers and uh, to get them planned. It's sad. Yeah, it is in many ways. Yes. But in any case, well, we are up against the uh, clock once again. I'm going to take the final break of the day. The books uh, by Todd Greiner are Miracle Man and an Amazing uh, Journey. We'll take this quick break and we'll be back to wrap it up after this. Our guests in the studio today, guests I should say, uh, have been Todd Greiner and his uh, wife Sue, uh, author of the book A Miracle Man and An Amazing Journey. Uh, Todd, we talked a lot about a lot of things here today, but if there's one thing that you wanted a uh, listener to come away from all of this conversation with, what would it be? Well, thank you for the question. Honestly, I don't want them to be intrigued with Todd or Sue, but the miracle power that he did with Todd and Sue that's what I that's the takeaway yeah. I hope that that's the takeaway more than anything else and when I shared earlier in the program about the urgency that the Lord has put in my heart since the crash I want that urgency to be contagious I really I really wish and pray that more people could understand the signs of the times like the men from Issachar in the Bible the men of Issachar they understood the signs of the times and knew what Israel should do I think we should understand the signs of the times and know what we and the church should really do. And is it really as simple as reading the Word of God, praying that His will in each person's life be revealed to them and then acting on it? Yes, it's not complicated. It's surrender. You know, we talked earlier about Dietrich, you and I personally, about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He made this tremendous statement. He said, Jesus calls us to come and die. Come and die. And if we don't want to die. We, we want Christ, but still be the captain of the ship. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. For Jesus, to, it's so easy to say, well, Jesus is my Lord. Well, is he really? I mean, really, is he really? When he's Lord, you're out of the picture. And what, that's where transformation comes. And for your listeners, I just speak to, I just pray that uh, they would get that takeaway out of this interview. Amen. All right. Well, Todd, thank you so much for coming over. I appreciate it, Sue. Same to you as well. And uh, we'll send you out uh, as we always do. And then coming up at the top, we'll have Jay Seculo Radio. You're listening to WXAN AVA.